Eddie Rosario's Grand Slam salvages the road trip. Yeah, I hope he hits a Grand Slam. I mean, usually it doesn't happen that way, but you know, I had a good feeling because I say he's been having some really good at bats. From the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, this is The Brace Report, presented by Croker, the podcast that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. Y'all can probably tell this is not the voice of your usual host, Jay Black. He is taking some time with family after his mom passed away, so we are sending him tons of love and support from afar. Jay had a really sweet message about his mom on social media. As y'all know, having listened to this podcast, Jay is a grizzled radio vet. And he would want the show to carry on. So my name is Sarah Spencer. I do sports video for the AJC, but I'm going to spot start joining our Braves beat reporter, Justin Toscano. And Justin, I have got some big shoes to fill tonight. That's to say the least. Yeah, like Sarah said, I mean, we want to wish, you know, Jay and his family send our condolences and and kind of give them all the love and support uh, from over here. But, you know, he leaves big shoes to fill and we're, we're going to try to fill them because... <laughs> As we've mentioned and we've talked about a lot, I think uh, if there's one thing we know about Jay, it's that uh, no show is ever missed. The show must go on. I don't think in a year and a half of doing this podcast, I don't think Jay's ever missed a show. Um, I don't think he's ever been late for a show. I don't think there's nothing that comes up that means Jay can't do a show. The show must go on. The show is the priority. Um, But right now, in our thoughts and prayers, you know, Jay is the priority. Jay is in our hearts. Um, and, you know, when he makes it back, he makes it back. But until then, we're, we're going to do the best darn job we can. We are going to have a good show for y'all today. I promise the Braves went three and three on a West Coast road trip, despite two rough losses to the worst team in baseball. But they clinched the series against the Diamondbacks after a clutch grand slam by Eddie Rosario. We'll talk about the return of Michael Soroka the major league debut of AJ Smith-Shaver, and more. If this is your first time listening to us, welcome aboard. Thanks for being here. Make sure you follow us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Brace Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger. This month, Kroger is offering an Atlanta Braves-themed guided cooking experience with Kroger Chef Jr. Come join your local Kroger Chef for a guided kids' cooking experience making an Atlanta Braves pimento cheese sandwich on June 10th and 24th at select Kroger locations. Each Kroger Chef Jr. is a 30-minute class where your child receives an Atlanta Braves apron, patch, chef's hat, and cookie cutter, plus a recipe card and holder for only $7 per child. Register today at KrogerChefJr.com. Okay, so Justin, let's talk about this West Coast road trip that you have been on. Eddie Rosario becomes even more beloved to Braves fans. I feel like he's already such a like postseason hero in Braves lore. Um, the Diamondbacks had won six straight games, and the Braves really needed to end this road trip on a high note, given those two losses in Oakland, don't you think? For sure. Um, They walked into the house of the worst team in baseball and lost two or three. Um, And over 27 innings there, they scored seven runs, I think it was. Yeah, I mean, over 27 innings, they scored seven runs in that series loss. Um, And mind you, that's seven runs against a team with an ERA of six and a half. Um, And at the time of the series was an ERA that was a run and a half over you know, worse than anybody, but you mentioned Eddie Rosario and we see it all the time in baseball, Sarah, that one swing, one pitch can change the tenor of everything, can change the outlook of everything. So instead of a two and four road trip, it's a three and three road trip, you know, instead of 
negative momentum heading into the week. It's positive momentum into the off day and then into the Mets series. Here's something for you. Right before that Rosario Grand Slam, the Braves had put on runners on second and third with no outs, and it had gotten to two outs, and the bases were loaded. They were in danger of not only losing that game, but having the story be about, my gosh, this star-laden lineup needed one run with runners on second and third against a struggling closer in the ninth and couldn't get it. All of that's gone. That ball went over the wall, over the wall. <laughs> it's gone with that grand slam. Yeah, exactly. And uh, here's something else. The Eddie chants, we hear them everywhere. But there were a lot of Braves fans in Phoenix this weekend. The TBS era is strong. They were chanting his name when he got up to the plate. After the grand slam. After the top of the ninth ended. And when the game ended. So it was like a full Eddie Rosario celebration. I think everybody... You know, even outside of that clubhouse, everybody knew how much that moment meant. I love that. I love that. Uh, feel proud. Um, I'm blessed too, but when the people call my name, Eddie, Eddie, is a good feeling. I mean, how could you not be encouraged by people chanting your name? <laughs> like, that's that's just that's just so awesome. I do want to talk to you about the Braves hitting, though, on this road trip, which you mentioned. I mean, thankfully, you you fixed what could have been a, a really negative narrative because now we're talking we're sitting here talking about Eddie Rosario's Grand Slam and salvaging the series instead of the way the Braves hitting has kind of been up and down. I know you talked to Austin Riley about how sometimes it's just it's just kind of what teams go through. I mean, you play 162. There's going to yeah. be highs and lows, especially with the injuries the Braves are going through right now. But what do you kind of attribute those hitting issues or inconsistencies to, you think? You know, sometimes that happens. Um, and that's what Riley told me. And that's what Brian Snicker, um, their manager said uh, Saturday is that some, you know, every season you go through something like this, no matter how good the team is, no matter how bad the team is, no matter how many stars are in the lineup, no matter how many stars are not in the lineup, you go through something like this. But I mean, for the Braves, it was kind of staggering. For, through the first four games of this road trip, they'd only scored nine runs. And I mean, before Saturday, as a team, they'd hit 188 on this road trip. They haven't been great with runners in scoring position uh, this season. Entering Sunday, they were 27th in baseball, um, was what their batting average ranked with runners in scoring position. Their OPS in those situations ranked 25th in baseball. This lineup is way too good for that to happen. And I think the culprit with, you know, with runners in scoring position a lot of times is, okay, it's, it's fine if they don't make good on those opportunities. They can, in fact, they can go one for eight with runners in scoring position, but they usually hit enough home runs to make up for it. And so the lineup looked a little more boom or bust um, during this kind of recent struggle, recent rut, uh, if you'd call it that. And even under Rosario's grand slam, I mean, we talk about what that, can wipe away how that paints a new picture of this road trip before that hit. I think they were one for 11 with runners in scoring position. And had he not gotten a hit there, had the game ended, it would have been one for 12 with runners in scoring position with, I think it would have been 10 men left on base. That's a lot of missed opportunities in a one run loss that that would have been instead. They win the game um, and talking to Austin Riley. I mean, he just told me that, you know, Hey, you you got to fight through it. The only way is, you know, to get through it is by staying, you know, and showing up and, and playing and things are eventually going to turn. You know, my short time that I've been here, it's like we somehow go through something like this every year 
Um, it's just a matter of you know, and, and guys know that, and guys come in and and, and get it and, and get that. You know, there's there's light at the end of the tunnel. It's just a matter of you know, continuing to just show up and play every day. And that's all very fair points by Austin Riley. I'm so curious what you thought, because I, I want to talk to you about this whole road trip, really, even though, you know, we've talked about how Rosario kind of saved things for the Braves, but um, they did lose two in Oakland, which yeah. shocked the heck out of me. I think it shocked the heck out of a lot of people. What was your reaction to that? I mean, look, it's two games. The sky is not falling. Just mathematically, the sky is still in place. But what was your reaction to the Braves losing those two? Yeah, I was shocked too. Austin was, you know, the team did not expect that. I He was laughing at me saying he's like, he, you know, he said, I think going into that series, they had the highest walk rate in baseball. And then the A's over 27 innings proceeded to walk only six Braves over that series. They just started pounding the zone. It was weird. There were some Braves you know, fly balls that landed on the track and, you know, another few feet and they would have been homers. To me, though, it looked like they were just in this funk. Like, they just didn't have a ton of energy. They didn't look like themselves. They weren't getting it done in big spots. I was shocked um, because Michael Soroka goes out Monday and gives them, you know, a decent start. Same with, you know, following it up on Tuesday, uh, Bryce Elder. And then Jared Schuster on Wednesday when they did get the win. The starting pitching's been incredible. Um, best mark in the National League in terms of ERA. And that's without Max Fried and Kyle Wright, you know, for most of the season. Yeah, that's saying something given who they're missing. Man. Yeah, exactly. And so the sky isn't falling, but if you're the Braves, <laughs> you would like to reward that starting pitching a little more. And I think in Oakland, my, it was just shock, right? Like sometimes teams play the game of their lives and that can happen over a 162-game season in baseball. Normally not twice, like back to back. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it didn't really like, it didn't really feel like the A's were playing that well. I mean, they made pitches when they needed to, but it felt like the Braves just weren't being the Braves. Um, and you can break that down a number of ways. We're not hitting coaches, but it, they just weren't getting it done in big spots. They, they weren't really creating a ton of those big spots. It wasn't like they were one for 12 with the runners in scoring position. They weren't creating a lot of those big opportunities. Um, they did just enough in that Wednesday game. It was really, really weird. Here's something interesting, though. I do think you never want to make excuses, but I do think that late flight, we've all done it. Late flight, <laughs> early flight, we've all, uh -huh. I, I've done it on this beat a lot, and I am not a major league baseball player who has to do anything physical that night, but I've gotten up at four in the morning for a flight and then had to work that night game. And so you're, you know, you're up at four in the morning and you go to bed at two in the morning somewhere. Like it, right. the Braves after that Sunday night game, which you covered, Sarah, you know how late that ended. They oh, got gosh, on the plane yeah. a couple hours later, flew cross country to Oakland, which is a five hour flight, landed around 6 a.m. Atlanta time, got to the hotel at 6.30 a.m. Atlanta time, and then had to play a game at 5 p.m. local time. So mm -hmm. they were had landed for about 14 hours before they had, you know, to play a game. They were at the ballpark less than 12 hours later. That night, Brian Snicker said that had nothing to do with it. Two days later, after the Braves salvaged a series with the win and avoided a sweep, Snit said, you know, that, you know, I don't <laughs> want to make excuses, but it was a, a tough travel, you know, swing here. 
I think that had a little bit to do with it because I go back to a conversation I had with AJ Minter back in Oakland, and he said that, you know, I don't think it's going to affect what we do today, today being Monday. But the when you see it and you start to feel it is tomorrow, the second day, where that's when you feel like you haven't had a lot of sleep. That's when you feel like you've kind of been up forever. Um, and so I just, I wonder if it was just that perfect storm. That being said, results are results. They needed to play better. Um, it shocked a lot of people. But I think you look up, they're, they you know snapped the Diamondbacks' winning streak, as you mentioned. They win the last two in Arizona. And by the way, they won a game today in which Zach Gallon, the Diamondbacks' ace, started. And they're 11 games over 500 heading into that Mets series, which will be crucial. And so my reaction, I was really shocked. But you have to take the big picture. Um, and, I, you know, you do understand why fans are upset watching that, you know, because it's like, I mean, it's just, and you can't compare across series because it's more about when you t- play teams and, and not just playing them. So it it's really difficult to make the comparisons. But, you know, you would have liked, if you're a Braves fan, you would have liked the team to flex its muscles um, against the A's, especially because the A's on a road trip to Miami lost 4-0, 12 to 1 and 7 to 5. The Marlins Boy. swept them. I mean, the A's are right. not a good team. In fact, when we look back in September, October, they might be the worst team that's ever played in this sport, like just statistically. Um, they were during that <laughs> it break. It sounds series, dramatic, but you look at the numbers and like this is not just us per- having a personal vendetta against the A's. This team is is statistically dreadful. Yeah, the A's are 12 and 47. I think when they were 11 and 45 or 11 and 44, whatever it was during the Brave series, they were on pace for the second worst record of any team in baseball, like history since 1900. And here's something. So when the Braves got there, the A's were on pace for 30 wins. Let that sink in. All this is to say that I was very shocked to answer your question we're probably making too much of two games, but it was shocking. And I think those two games just illustrate how these last two, how good these last two were because the Braves really needed something like this to go into the off day and say, all right, we really did flush it after that poor series in Oakland, got back on the horse and they lose um, Friday's game. And that looked a lot like the two in Oakland, uh, like those two losses in Oakland. But they back up a good offensive game on Saturday with another on Sunday, um, and they look good going into the off day. And if you sum it up, coming home from that road trip, I mean, mathematically, they can t- they're three and three on that road trip. They continue to kind of piece it together despite the injuries that they have. You mentioned Michael Soroka a, a little bit ago. Coming up, we're going to take a look at the first two starts from Michael Soroka after returning from Achilles injuries. This is the Brace Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, presented by Kroger. What's so great about being a Kroger Boost member? Free delivery on the Kroger products you love and more rewards too, like double fuel points on everything you buy. Experience a new level of membership, starting as low as $59 a year with Boost by Kroger Plus. Learn more at Kroger.com today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has a special offer for our podcast listeners. If you subscribe today, you can get three months of unlimited digital access for just 99 cents. That's all of our sports coverage, politics, breaking news, investigations, food and dining, and so much more on AJC.com, plus access to our e-paper, and our assortment of newsletters. So join our community by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcasts. So you always know what's really going on. So let's talk about Michael Soroka's first two starts back. He started at Oakland, uh, that 7-2 loss on May 29th, four and runs on five hits, two walks, three strikeouts, six innings. Uh, and then in the 8-5-1 Sunday, June 4th, Against the Diamondbacks, five earned runs, seven hits, four walks, two strikeouts. Only made it three and two-thirds. How would you evaluate his first two games back, Justin? Because I can see on it, I can see both sides of it. On one hand, that first start against Oakland, honestly, I thought he looked strong outside of maybe one yeah. or two. You know, he would have wanted back. And then mm. it ended up being costly, but that happens sometimes. And it's his first start back. Like, give the guy a break, you know? Uh, obviously, Sunday's outing, I'm sure he wasn't super happy with that, not getting deeper into the game and, and some of the stuff he gave up. So I understand, you know, like you, you obviously want maybe better output than that, but also he's been injured. I mean, you got to be a little patient with this guy, right? What's your take on his first two outings back with this Braves team? I really think that it looks like a guy who hasn't pitched in the majors in 2020. And that's not me minimizing some of the things that are going on. Maybe he'll never get back to what he was who knows like I don't, I don't think you can say for sure but what I think you can say is that even if he has high standards for himself he's still starting to consistently make starts since last you know September August September when he came back and now is two starts into his time in the majors that one I think he pitched much better than the Oakland line would indicate that one change up there was maybe one change up too many uh but it was at the bottom of the zone it wasn't a terrible pitch. It's not like he really hung it at all. The one here um, hours ago in Phoenix, that was just couldn't get out of the inning. I mean, Brian Snicker said that when he went out to get Soroka, he told Travis Darno, uh, man, it's just like we were one pitch away, he said, mm-hmm. from, from getting out of this inning. All five runs of Diamondbacks scored on Soroka came with two outs. It really just felt like he just couldn't put him away. Like he just couldn't have, you know, execute that last pitch or two or, or get that last batter out. Um, and he said that it was, you know, it's just uh, it's just kind of like that's he got away from what made him good when he was up last time. He, you know, he used to step on, you know, their throats, if you will, his words and, and get that third out. He wasn't able to do it today. Um, I thought his stuff has been decent, better in the Oakland start. But Sunday, um one thing that, that kind of has to improve is got to pound the zone more. There are four walks, as you said. And then of 30 swings the Diamondbacks took, they only whiffed twice. So he's got to have some more swing and miss in there to have some more success going forward. And this is a Diamondbacks lineup that, yes, doesn't strike out a lot. They worked Spencer Strider on, you know, Saturday, even if he had seven strikeouts. Um, they're bottom third in strikeouts, which is if you want to flip that, that's actually a positive. That's top third in avoiding strikeouts. Um, and so it's it's a good lineup um, with some good hitters. They're contact guys. They don't strike out a ton. 
Um, but he's got to have some more swing and miss. It's just a guy working out the kinks. But he said after the game, you know, when I asked him, he said, I'm up here to get outs. Uh, this, if I were still working on things, I wouldn't be up here right now. So he's holding himself to that standard. I just think it looks like a guy who hasn't pitched since 2020. And I mean, when, you know, when we asked him and we, you know, have this audio queued up, um, it's just a really awesome journey that I know he wants to put behind him. And we'll talk about that, Sarah, but right before we do, let's, uh, let's hear from him on, on kind of what kept him going during the frustrating days of rehab today, you know, it was a big one. Uh, day like today and, and the people that believed in me I've always said I was going to be going to be back here for the people that believed in me not the ones that said I couldn't so um, you know those people are my dad uh, training staff uh, here and uh, a group I work with in Arizona and a lot of people that have helped me along the way um, you know there's been some people in my corner for a long long time that have stuck by me and you know it's it's, it's a day for them too and that was him after his start in Oakland here's the intriguing part about Soroka is that for months, years, really, we've talked about this big comeback story and this heartwarming tale of a guy who tore his Achilles tendon twice, needed three surgeries and total to repair it, you know, to get back. And then, you know, shows the resolve, shows the determination. I think he's tired of talking to that because, you know, also in that post-game scrum in Oakland, he said, you know, I'm just excited to kind of move on from that. Um, and and here he is when you know he when I asked him when I told you know asked him how nice it was uh, to put all that behind him and not have this be such a big story. Yeah, great. I think last year was the first step to that, and obviously this is the bigger one. So um, yeah, like, like I said, you know we can we can think of it as this big story, and I prefer to just think of it as you know a bump in the road. So hopefully we're looking back on this in a long, long time, and um, we forget that, and this feels like a long time ago as well. Isn't that the interesting thing about our jobs is that we strive to cover things that people would think are interesting. And with Michael, that's just the heartwarming, inspiring thing about him is how he got back. But isn't it funny that a lot of the things we cover sometimes, or some of the things we cover, I should say, sometimes don't align with the way the athlete wants to see them. And I just found that really interesting because we've been talking about this inspiring story. And I wrote about it twice on Monday including, you know, a pretty long feature. But there's the guy who that story is about saying that he doesn't want it to be a big story. And I just found it, I, I think it's it's interesting. And it really went, to me, it spoke to show how kind of over it he is and how ready he is for just this new chapter. Yeah, it sounds like to me, and I wasn't on this road trip, but you were. It sounds like to me, I can almost hear it in the the cadence of his voice. You know, you hear the cadence of his voice um, delivering that quote. And I I feel like I can almost envision like his body language. Like he sounds like a little bit like, okay, I just, <laughs> that's a really nice question. <laughs> you know, thanks thanks everybody for caring about my recovery and, you know, my well-being. Um, can we all move on, please? It sounds like the guy, he, he doesn't want to continue talking about this comeback, this comeback, this comeback. He'd rather just be back. You never know exactly, you know, what is going on with someone else's mindset or brainwaves. But I wonder if part of it is he just doesn't want to make too, too much of, of the past, you know, like it's, it's done, he's back. And now the, the bar is high, you know, you're, you're back. You're not going to have a different bar just because for achievement, just because of, you know, injuries or whatever. Like we can all be understanding, of course. It's interesting. Like I, I hear that and I can almost hear it in his voice that he's just like wanting to put some distance 
between him and what he's been through. Absolutely. And I think it comes down to, like you said, you know, I don't never want to psychoanalyze somebody, but I, I would understand if he wouldn't want to focus on that forever. I mean, he wants to, he's not this guy, this sob story who just came back. He's a professional athlete who was here for a reason, who was there in 2019 for a reason in 2018 when he came up and then in 2019 when he really burst on the scene and starred. Um, he was one of the top starters in baseball. He was the ace of this staff. One of the most beloved players on this team still is. This isn't some 35-year-old has been. Like, I don't think he yearns for the past. I think he yearns for a better future. And I, I think mm. I think he wants to, he doesn't want to be held back by the perceived limitations of some comeback story. I think he just wants to make these consistent starts and build something new and show that he can build something new. And he's not trying to prove anybody wrong. He just, I think he just wants things to be normal. And I think there's probably like, I would understand it if there was a part of him that just tired of talking about this over and over and over again. I, I didn't tell him this, but I've got bad news. Um, only a couple of us beat riders were on the road. So he's probably going to have to talk about this when the TV stations come in the clubhouse. Uh, you know, when everybody is in the home clubhouse, <laughs> this, oh, <laughs> this no. upcoming week, I, I didn't tell oh, him no. that, but, uh, but no, I know. And it's not like he's always gracious. Like he's so awesome to cover. It's yeah. not like he's frustrated about talking about it or he he's just done. He's just kind of done. You know, yeah, I, I understand just, it. He, you know, he respectfully answers the questions and I just, you really understand why he's answered them for three years. He's answered them yeah. a little differently now, you know, like about different things about his debut or his, when he made it back and pitched in that first minor league game, you know, since the injury. But it, these are the same topics and the same answers. And I totally get why it might just kind of wear on somebody. What do the Braves need to see from him moving forward? Because, I mean, the, the bullpen has had issues. You've still got starters injured. There's a big opportunity for him if he can, again, kind of, you know, put some distance between, okay, you, you made your comeback. You made your comeback. Now it's just now it's just go pitch. Go do your thing. Go find a rhythm. What do the Braves need to see from him moving forward? Yeah, I think it's just that continued improvement. I mean, I really think that it's just, you know, the walks, you know, the strikeout to walk ratio for sure. Um, I think it's limiting the walks, pounding the zone, seeing his stuff kind of tick up again. And that was never really too much of a concern, actually. Like people said the stuff was good in Gwinnett. Um, the sinker looked really good. The slider looked better if it could be, you know, landed more consistently. The changeup has looked fine. I just think that it's a matter of like, he's still kind of getting into his mechanics. And like, I know he said he's not working on things per se, but this is still a guy who's going to need, you know, he has some adjustment period, but the Braves wanted to wait to bring him up until he could make consistent starts and stay up and not have to be sent down. So I think it's, I honestly think it's about limiting damage. You know, if you go, Five, six innings, three, four runs for now. Fine, whatever. And sprinkle in a couple good ones. I think that's fine until they have to reevaluate things when Max Fried and Kyle Wright are back. Um, I wonder how top prospect AJ Smith Shaver eventually factors into the equation. They're going to pitch Look at him that out of the transition. bullpen for Look now. At that. Yeah, you Look like at that you like that I, transition to our there, next topic. There, yep, yep. <laughs> no, there you go. Um, so 
I wonder how he factors in, though. They're going to pitch him out of the bullpen, but he's up. He is only 20 years old. His he did great. stuff he is really great. good. Yep. He pitched really well in his debut. Um, and I'm not saying he would usurp Michael Soroka. You know, I wouldn't, I'm not saying he would usurp Jared Schuster. I don't know what's going to happen. All of this is to say that for now, Soroka's got to keep just taking these little steps up. It's a process. He can't have any of those blowups, you know, many of those blowup starts. Um, he's just got to give the team a chance to win each time out, show that the stuff is still going to tick up and, and kind of keep, you know, getting back to that level. He was at. Let's talk a little bit about Mr. AJ Smith Shaver. Uh, pitched two and a third hitless innings, struck out three of the seven batters he faced, one walk. What did you think of his debut? Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, you know, I, I think you never know how it's going to go. He's 20 years old. He also had to wait. For, he had to wait to yeah. make his actual debut. Mentally, for me, I can't even imagine that. Like, I would just be like, can you please put me out there? <laughs> can I get this That's over with? That's like for those of you who ever had like a public speaking project. Like, if you didn't like public speaking, I was better at that toward like my college years for sure. But if, like, say you had to recite a speech in front of the entire school or something and it got delayed like five days and you had prepared mm-hmm. it for day one and it got delayed five days, that's how I kind of envision And everybody's this. asking you about it and it's on yep. your mind. It's like top of mind. And, you know, it's like, oh, how do you think it's going to go? And it's like, oh, let's talk about this more hypothetically instead of yeah. just doing it. And so AJ got there. He found out he was called up on Tuesday. He got there. Um, he took a a flight out of Norfolk, Virginia, where AAA Gwinnett was. He goes to Oakland. He gets there about the second inning, out to the field, out to the bullpen about the second inning um, after he goes in the clubhouse and, you know, just throws some pants on, throws a jersey on, and gets out there. He waits the Tuesday game. He waits the Wednesday game. He waits out the Wednesday flight to Phoenix. He waits out the Thursday off day. He waits out Friday's game, and he waits out Saturday's game, waits out part of Sunday's game, and finally gets in. I thought he was awesome. I mean, fastball touched 97. Slider looked good. He had three strikeouts, struck out three of the seven batters he faced. He had the one walk, um, but he pitched two and a third hitless innings. And Sarah, this actually wraps up to our first topic, really, that who knows if, you know, A.J. smith Shaver implodes or if he's not in that spot and the bullpen doesn't pitch well. Who knows if Eddie Rosario's grand slam, you know, ties the game instead of takes the lead or if the Braves aren't even in a spot to tie the game. Mm. He kept him, you know, within a run through, you know, two and a third hitless innings and was really, really good. I think this was a massive success. And Justin, you spoke with AJ and he was super, super excited for this debut. Yeah, I mean, I, I talked to a few of my like family and my family and friends about just kind of about it. And uh, just, I don't know, I just keep telling him it doesn't really feel real yet. So just... I guess I'm just kind of wait, waiting to get settled in a little bit. I think this outing's going to help, but it's pretty pretty cool the uh, last few days. Do you have any family or friends out at this one today? Yeah, my family and I had a few friends come out. Uh, just cool to share the moment with them, just having them out here, traveling across the country with me, going from Oakland to here, so pretty cool. So, Justin, what is next for A.J. smith Shaver with this Braves team? Yeah, so A.J. smith Shaver is going to pitch out of the bullpen for the time being, but... He's really the next starter up. So if they need a starting pitcher, that will be him. And that's what I mentioned kind of a few minutes ago, wondering, hey, if one of these starters doesn't 
pitch well. You know, if Jared Schuster falls off or if Michael Soroka falls off, would they go to AJ smith Shaver? I don't know, but he's the next man up if they need a starter. Um, they're going to get guys extra days. There's inevitably going to be a tough stretch, maybe a doubleheader here or there. He can start a game for them. Think of his role like Spencer Strider in 2022, where they broke him in in the bullpen. The Braves feel it's a lot easier to do that. You know, he gets all the first out of the way. Like he got the debut out of the way. He gets all the talk calls and texts and interviews out of the way before he has to make his first career start. At some point he will, but for now he's going to pitch out of the bullpen. He can just go let it fly for an inning or two or three, however long they need him. Um, he might not pitch a ton. You know, there might be times where he pitches once in six days or who, you know, who knows, but his role is going to obviously be determined as anybody's is. Um, on how he performed. But for now, he's going to pitch out of the bullpen. I would think that at some point this season, he's going to make a start, if not a few. All right. Well, Justin, let's answer some questions with our Ask Justin segment. You can always tweet your questions to... Justin C. Toscano. Or you can call us at 404-526-AJCP, which is 404-526-2527 for a cool little voicemail feature that we have now. So that's fun and exciting. Um, Okay, our first question for you, Justin, is from Greg in Jacksonville, Florida. My question for you guys today is, is there any thought in maybe sending Michael Harris down to AAA just to work out some swing stuff without the scrutiny of the big leagues here? Um, Or do the coaching staff just trust that he'll kind of push through and get it back? I know small sample size to start this year, but just your thoughts on that. Have a great day, guys. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for the question and for telling us to have a night. That was a that very was so nice. That was, that was really nice. That was oh, like Greg in Jacksonville. Thank you, Greg in Jacksonville. Okay, I honestly like I un- understand why fans would be wondering this, but my personal belief is that you you just don't sign a guy to a long term contract like that. Uh, you know, to big money to send him down. They could, but. Earlier in the week, Brian Snicker, when I asked him about Michael Harris not taking that offense to his defense, said, and that's why you stick with him. Um, because, you know, he, he's going to work it out. He's got good makeup. Um, he's a guy who stays even and kind of level-headed. And I think this weekend was, you know, somewhat of a good sign for Harris. I know Sunday didn't go well, but on Saturday he hit three or four baseballs really hard. Uh, Only had one hit to show for it. Could have had two, was robbed, you know, on another great play. Um, But kind of one of the great plays that he usually makes uh, to rob other hitters. But I think right now, I think they just trust that he's going to get through it. I mean, if it gets way worse over a longer stretch of time, then sure, you know, I, I guess they could. But you don't sign somebody to that deal for him to not be part of your big league team. And here's the other part of it is that, What's the alternative? I mean, Kevin Pillar, Sam Hilliard. I mean, I think I would, those guys are talented, but I think I would take Michael Harris's talent there. Michael Harris's legs in the lineup, um, his ability to get, you know, to hit uh, when he's going, uh, to hit for power when he's going. Like you mentioned, Greg, it's, it's still kind of a small sample, you know, still the first half of the season. Guys have had awful first halves. Um, and so I think he'll be on this team because that's where he's needed. Okay, so... Very strong start to the Ask Justin segment of this show. Thanks to friendly Greg in Jacksonville. Our next caller, question asker guy, is Evan in Atlanta. My question is, is there any chatter about a streaming deal between MLB and the Braves, similar to what the Padres uh, just set up with MLB office? 
uh, as regards to the streaming. So thanks. That's what everybody's wondering, right? Sarah, you've been in the thick of it living in Braves country that if you don't have, you know, if you have YouTube TV, for example, which is very popular now, you don't get Braves games. And if you want to buy MLB.TV to get Braves games, you cannot get Braves games because they will be blacked out in your area. So what Evan is asking for the people who don't know, he's asking about the Padres situation where the Padres pulled out, theoretically, you know, just pulled out of that diamond deal with Bally Sports, um, which is going, you know, Diamond Sports, which owns Bally, is going bankrupt. And so they failed to make the payment to the Padres. So this week, the Padres pulled out of that agreement, which means they take over their broadcasting rights and their streaming rights. Um, And what happened is now that MLB is going to air Padres games themselves, the league itself, through its streaming service, MLB.TV and other cable channels. So... I heard this week um, from multiple people that Bally Diamond, Bally, has made all its payments to the Braves um, and is up to date on those payments. So that's what several people familiar with the situation said. And so the games will remain on Bally Sports South. And, you know, they're, they will, you know, kind of remain committed to covering the Braves. Um, and so right now, the Braves couldn't just end that agreement contractually is the way I understand it. If diamond keeps making those payments. And I mean, you would have to think like the Braves have to be one of their biggest sellers, you know, in terms of making them money is because Braves country is so, you know, far and wide and vast. It spans the whole Southeast. Yeah. It's like the whole Southeast. Exactly. So I think honestly in the future, like every team would want its own broadcast rights, right? Because you would want your brand on that. You would want to make the money from it. Um, and you'd want to be able to stream because think about it, for the Padres specifically, think about how much more money they're going to make and how many, how many more people are going to see their games now that those people can buy MLB.TV in San Diego. And now they can watch the games versus not watching the games. So this is advantageous for teams, but... A lot of them, like the Braves, still have these agreements with the regional sports networks. So Bally Diamond, which is Bally, is up to date <laughs> on those payments. And uh, so you're going to have to keep or, you know, you're going to have to kind of wait if you want sort of that streaming service um, like they're getting in San Diego that kind of worth. There's no blackouts. There will still be the blackout. Um, Bally Sports is going to continue um, broadcasting the games and uh you know, Brandon and Jeff, they do an awesome job. Peter, Nick, all the, you know, all those guys. Kelly. Um, yeah, Kelly. Yeah, they, no, they do an awesome job. So, you know, stay tuned with them. But for now, um, nothing's changed on on that front. Um, and the interesting part, Sarah, is that, so the Padres broadcasters, I guess, were Padres employees. And I think that's how it would work, is my understanding is that if that ever were to happen with the Braves and Bally, MLB could just hire, the Braves could just hire, you know, Brandon, Jeff, you know, Peter Moylan, whoever, (laughs) and make them Braves employees and just kind of freelance basically the truck um, and the production and things like that, or make some of those people employees. Basically, everything would be owned by the Braves and MLB um, instead of having a regional sports network that those people work for. So, even if that were to happen to the Braves this season, like not much would change with the broadcast and like not much should because Brandon, you know, is doing a heck of a job in his first season. Frenchie's great. Um, and the it's an interesting conversation. It's an interesting conversation though, yeah. as far as like 
It's such a good question because like that landscape is changing so rapidly that it feels like every yep. single day you wake up and it's like, okay, this has changed. Okay. I, I, um, you know, cable got super expensive and then I did all this streaming stuff, but now I have like 60 different streaming services. Should I just go back to cable? Anyway, a really good question by Evan in Atlanta, because it's, it's something that's definitely top of mind for so many sports fans and just, you know, humans who want to yep. watch TV. Okay. Yep. One last voicemail question from Hersha in Alpharetta. Ooh, we love Alpharetta. I'm just curious what y'all see the Braves doing with Murphy and Darno moving forward. Uh, it seems to me like Murphy probably deserves more than 60% of the starts at catcher, uh, given how well he's performed this year. But I know the Braves are interested in conserving both of those guys down the stretch and uh, obviously have really high regard for uh, Travis Darno as well. Yeah, no, I know it's an interesting question because Travis Darno has done so much for the Braves. Um, for the fact Brian Snicker has said over and again in 21 um, about you know the time in 21 when Darno missed a heavy chunk of games because of an injury that you could feel his absence. Um, and yeah, he's somebody who is really, really impactful for this lineup, for the pitching staff. I do think that Sean Murphy behind the plate you know, as evidenced by the extension that they gave him is the path moving forward, especially if he's going to hit, you know, like he has to start the season, especially if he's going to throw runners out like he has to start the season. Sean Murphy's an excellent defensive catcher who's now hitting, you know, to start this season in the first half better than he ever has. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would say that Murphy probably deserves the lion's share of of the duties. But if Ozuna keeps hitting you know, then it's going to be tough to get Darno in the DH spot. Or maybe if Darno keeps hitting or if it's an even split, then Darno is going to get more of that DH time. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I would I would agree that Sean Murphy, you know, catching most of the games is probably the path going forward. Um, but who knows? And these things kind of work themselves out. Catching is a two-man job nowadays because of injuries, because of the workload. But that's why Brian Snickers kind of having to, he had to jumble Travis Darno in with, you know, Marcelo Zuna in the DH role or Eddie Rosario if he's not in left field. Um, and going forward, I think, you know, it's we're mainly going to see Sean Murphy there. And if it's a day game after a night game, then Travis Darno, Or if Murphy's played four in a row, then Darno or three in a row. Who knows? But I think it's kind of Murphy's, you know, the lion's share is going to be Murphy's going forward. Okay, Justin, we've got two really, really quick ones that are actually from Twitter that I'm just going to read to you. So okay. the first one, Mario Speedwagon. Cool. Uh, how do you think Freed's injury troubles this year affect his contract negotiations moving forward? I wish I had a crystal ball, but obviously the easy answer is that more starts and more success equals more value. Now, Max Freed is a very valuable pitcher and right now would command, you know, a lot of money if the Braves wanted to extend him. But, you know, if the worst case scenario happens and he doesn't pitch again, I, you know, I, I don't foresee that. But, you know, then he wouldn't be able to command as much money because the Braves would kind of have that leverage over him. But right now he's kind of held his value because he's just, you know, he's hurt. He's going to come back. And if he comes back and pitches well, then you know, nothing's really changed if that injury isn't debilitating. If not, then it's a different conversation. Okay, last one from Twitter from at Sundrop Yum. 
When will AA, meaning Alex Anthopoulos, get rid of the coaching staff and sign all of the Twitter baseball geniuses to large contracts? Oh my gosh. I know. I'm glad we're answering this one. It, it doesn't, it, Twitter, Twitter is an interesting place. Uh, you would never know the Braves are 10 or 11 games over 500, depending on the day. Um, by some of those replies, you see, guys, the team is very good. The front office has made a lot of very, very good decisions. Um, their rate of correctness uh, is, that's a term I just came up with now. <laughs> Is pretty high under Alex Anthopoulos. I think things are going to be okay. You've got the right guy and the right coaching staff, um, the right manager leading the team, you know, and uh, a lot of fans would kill to be rooting for this team. I, th- I think it's going to be okay. It, it is funny to, to scroll Twitter after some of those games and you're like, man, I, is this team 20 games under 500? Yeah, like as much as we joke about like this guy is falling, you know, when you lose two games in Oakland, as much as we joke about, you know, it, it's not you. it's all relative. It really is all relative. I know that this is the Braves and the bar is so high and look, it should be. It should be. People expect a lot out of this team. Uh, you know, they're they're piecing it together despite injuries. Um, yeah, it's not it's. Come on. Like, this is a good team. This is a good team. Um, Okay. Justin, give me your winner of the week. You know what? I'm going to go with Eddie Rosario um, because it must be pretty cool to have a bunch of people chanting your name when you're at work uh, at all parts of the workday. He's always got those (laughs) chants. And now, you know, Eddie, Eddie's making good on everything right now. So, right on this road trip, he got hot. On the road trip, he went 8 for 20. In Phoenix specifically, 6 for 13 with three homers and seven RBIs and the Grand Slam that changed the entire trip. Mine is AJ smith Shaver. Great debut for him, and I'm excited to see. I think the future is really bright for him. I'm excited to see what he can do. Your smith Shaver thing is funny because he's 20 years old. When I was 20, I think I was going to like Circle K and getting hot Cheetos and Skittles and a Powerade after playing like interrail basketball or something like that in college. I was like, I was walking across the street from the student newspaper at UGA to get like Raising Cane's at goodness knows what (laughs) at age 20. Yeah. That's what I I was doing. They're open (laughs) late. Um, And and if I were Jay right now, I would say no free ads to both of us, uh, to both of us doing that. So I'm going to throw that in there just to make him happy, just to cross the I's and dot the T's and take care of the details. But Sarah, thanks for hosting. Everybody, thanks for listening. Jay, we love you. Wishing you and your family support and comfort in this time. Um, And thanks, everyone, for listening. It it, it was fun, Sarah. I think we did well. I think we did, too. All right, everybody. That wraps it up for this episode of The Braze Report. Please rate, review, follow, and share with a friend. New shows come out every Monday, so we will see you next week on The Braze Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. 
In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.